You're listening to Twin Day, a show all about empowering Black and brown entrepreneurs to thrive. This podcast is powered by Bank of America. Twin Day, meaning Let's Go in Kiswahili, is a Tennessee accelerator program that's leveling the playing field for Black and Latina founders. I'm Brittany Cole, Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and your host of the Twin Day podcast. You can expect to hear stories of entrepreneurs thriving in their businesses, insights from organizations that support founders of color, and get access to resources to help you grow and scale your business. For more content like this, visit twindaypodcast.com and follow anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's dive in. So did you know one of the best ways to really grow and scale your business is by doing business with corporate and government clients? That's exactly how we have redesigned our Twin Day Accelerator program, helping black and brown founders land their first or next corporate or government deal. And so today on the Twin Day podcast, powered by Bank of America, I'm so thrilled for you to listen in on this conversation with none other than the veteran who has 30 years in federal and government work. She also um, currently serves as our Director of Economic Growth and Small Business Development at the Mayor's Office in Nashville. Welcome, <laughs> LaTanya Channel. How are Thank you? Thank you. I'm great, Brittany. Thank you. Happy to be here, Good. especially with you. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> likewise. The feeling is mutual. I'm thrilled that you're here. So let's start off learning a little bit more about you. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about your story. Where are you from? What was your childhood like growing mm -hmm. up? Oh, I love this question. How much time do we have? <laughs> okay, so I'll try to keep it succinct. So I was born and raised in a sleepy northern southern city called Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And people look at me strange mm -hmm. when I say that. It's because at one point I moved to, I went to college outside of L.A. and I went to law school outside of New York. And both times made me realize that I was really in a small southern city city. I had manners and we say good morning. So anyway, I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. in 1969. A lot of people think I'm younger than I am. And I only mention that because in the 70s and 80s, Washington, D.C. was known as Chocolate City mm -hmm. because it was like 75 percent black. So I was born and raised in D.C. where everybody was black. I tell people the uh, police chief was black. The mayor was black. The principals were black. The superintendent was black. Mm -hmm. The homeless people were black. The cops were black. Everybody was black. And so that was that was the universe and world that I was raised in in Washington, D.C., raised by both my parents and grandparents at the same time because the public school, elementary school in my grandparents' neighborhood was better than one in my parents' neighborhood. Uh -huh. So I spent time in both houses at the same time. Mm -hmm. So love my childhood. I'm the oldest of three. Okay. I have two younger brothers. One is 10 years younger and one is 13 years younger and lots of cousins. So I've always been a mom and auntie long before I was officially an auntie to many. So I love my childhood. It was a great childhood. Yeah. So when you think about your childhood and that age old question that we always get, you know, growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. Like, what did, what was that for you? Teacher. Really? Yes. Okay. Teacher. I had the best teachers ever. And I always wanted to be a teacher. Even now in spaces and places, whether it's one on one in a group, the thing that I love more than anything is teaching something exposing folks to stuff that maybe they just didn't know. So any opportunity I have to teach, I'm there. I'm totally there. So I want to be a teacher. And we can see that through your career. I mean, you've spent 
the last 30 years teaching, supporting, advocating for entrepreneurs, small business owners at the federal level and mm-hmm. at the local level. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about like why why did you choose that line of work? How did you get connected in with this world of small business? It chose me. Okay. <laughs> when I got out of college, I really still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, let me back up. I knew what I wanted to do, but I can honestly say I didn't have exposure to the things that I wanted to do even after college to let me know that it was a pathway for me. So I ended up working in the number one industry in Washington, D.C., which is federal government, right? That's our industry. Like Detroit had the automotive industry. D.C. has federal government industry. So I started in federal government. Eventually, um, about 10 years in, I was working at a federal agency, got really close with the staffers who worked in the Clinton administration working on civil rights and EEO matters. Loved it so much. And when we were working on establishing new policy and procedures and process to make this particular agency better, I said, you know what? I want to go to law school because I kept winning. I can't say winning, but uh, the, the secretary at the time, every time I would bring to him, well, the lawyer said we can't do this, but I think we can do it this way. He would go, that's the way we're going to do it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go to law school. Right. And so go to law school honestly said I was never going to come back to federal government again because I enjoyed working with the Clinton politicals at that time. And I said, I'll never have an opportunity to make such a difference and make such a change. Let me just go to law school and and go that route. Go to law school, come back home to D.C. because I realized that New York, too big. It's a real city. D.C. is not a real city when you compare it to New York. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I came back home to my small, sleepy northern southern city and started practicing law, small law firm in Prince George's County, Maryland. And one of our clients wanted to get 8A certification. Mm-hmm. And I knew of 8A certification, had heard of it, of course. You cannot hear of, um, not, not hear of 8A if you're Washington, D.C. And But I didn't know the rules. I didn't know the process. So I took a deep dive, submitted the application for her to get 8A certification. And I'll try to make this long story short. She wasn't qualified for it. And I knew it, but the partner at the time was like, go ahead and submit it anyway. Well, I get a phone call from the Small Business Administration saying, hey, your client is not going to qualify for 8A, but there's another program. Go meet meet, meet with them, find out the intricacies of that program, leave my card. Six months later, I had left that law firm, get a phone call, say, hey, we're hiring. You left your card here six months ago. And I was like, oh, okay. So I figured, you know what, let me go work at SBA on a contract for two Mm -hmm. years. They were looking to hire two attorneys. And I said, let me get the ins and outs. And then I'll really know how this government contracting works for minority businesses, how 8A certification works for minority businesses, and I'll go back to practice. Mm -hmm. That was 2004. And I went to work for SBA as a contract attorney, writing briefs, writing decline letters. Lawyers could not get past those decline letters when they were trying to get into the 8A program. I was really, really good, I must say, and stayed. Four. <laughs> uh, that was 2004. So what year is this? Oh, my gosh. What year is this? We're I don't in, even know. Uh, 23. I was about to say we're in 2024. Okay, so that was almost <laughs> year, yeah, nearly 20 years because yeah. I can't yeah. do math. And eventually merged from the decline letters, um, because if you were declined from the 8A program, you can go to federal court ultimately and say, I want to get in. So they had their own attorneys, of course, trying to get them in to moving towards actually helping businesses to get in. 
So I kind of fell into it, honestly. It wasn't something that I chose. So you mentioned 8A. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've had a lot of mm-hmm. conversations off the mic yes. about that topic. But for our listeners that are listening in, that's like, what in the world is 8A? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the 8A program. So as a federal government and also local government person, I've been doing this for about 30 years now, the time before law school and the time after. We love speaking in acronyms. Mm-hmm. And if you're in federal government, love speaking in statute. So sadly, the 8A program is named for Section 8A of the Small Business Act, which is sad. But the words next to it are the Minority Small Business and Capital Ownership Development Program. It is a program that that was created actually in the 50s, but expanded after the assassination of Martin Luther King. Essentially, President at the time, President Johnson said, hey, want to expand this program because we want more black businesses in the black community. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the program ultimately is to help handhold, to help provide guidance and support and counseling to minority businesses. Initially, it was black owned businesses, but it w- but it expanded in the 80s to all minority businesses to get that jump up into federal government contracting. Essentially, once you get approved for 8A certification, once you are in the program, you have a counselor that's assigned to you who works for the Small Business Administration. So that ultimately, if you go and market to a federal agency, Department of Defense, mm-hmm. Department of Energy, Veteran Affairs, whatever agency that is, they literally can pick up the phone, call their local SBA office if you're 8A certified and say, hey, we want to award that contract to ABC firm. There's no competition. Nobody can protest it. And that contract can be up to $7 million. Okay, and in some instances, way higher than that. Um, Multi-million dollar contracts that can be awarded to your business. So outside of what's called sole source contracting, which is the process that I just explained, Mm -hmm. there's also management and technical assistance support as well in the program. It's a nine-year certification program, and the goal is that after nine years, you graduate, and you can go on and get even more bigger and greater government contracts without the support that you got from SBA. Wow. And so I think what sticks out the most from what you said to me is that this program has been in existence for decades. 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 So when we're talking about this focus on... We call it DEI in my world, Mm -hmm. diversity, equity, Mm -hmm. and inclusion. Mm -hmm. You can think of it as supplier diversity from an entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. standpoint. Mm -hmm. It isn't new. It did not start in 2020. Not at all. It is not new at all. Not at all. And I'm curious about your thoughts on do you feel like things have waned when it comes to federal agencies and also maybe even um, larger, you know, corporate organizations having a focus on doing business with black and brown founders? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's waned. And let me take a couple steps back when you say that it's not new. The reality is the 8A program was the first, quote, affirmative action program to reach minority business. And again, starting with black businesses only. It is the foundational program that states like our state DBE program and local municipalities used to build their programs. And even uh, Department of Transportation like TDOT built their program off of how the 8A program was created. So I just wanted to let you know that. So your question about has it waned? I know on the federal side, um, it hasn't waned. What has happened is that smaller contracts have now been bundled into larger contracts. And this has been a, a trend that has happened over the last 10, 15 years that those of us on the federal government side, we don't like it. And so when I was at SBA, SBA was doing a whole heck of a lot of work to say to the other federal agencies, like the ones I just mentioned, Department of Defense, Department of Energy, hey, we need you to unbundle those contracts mm-hmm. because our smaller businesses need to have that opportunity to, to gain the capacity and gain the capability on a smaller job before 
you can bundle into something big. Sure. And so actually, there is a provision within 8A where there are some large businesses that can get into the program. And honestly, they have been gobbling up those bundled larger contracts at the expense mm-hmm. of our smaller minority businesses, which is a whole nother conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, a conversation for a House Small Business Committee in Congress. Yeah, yeah, def- <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just so important to bring that awareness to our mm-hmm. listeners, because oftentimes when you see these black founders and I'll just take black enterprise mm-hmm. as an example who are, you know, making the cover of Black Mm -hmm. Enterprise Mm -hmm. or who are being featured in outlets like that. And you're wondering, like, wow, how do they land Mm -hmm. this multimillion dollar, Mm -hmm. you know, deal for their company? What are they doing on social media? Nothing. Right. (laughs) That's not how they did it. You don't even know who they are. You don't even know know who they are. You've never even heard of their business. But then you keep reading and you see that they're mm-hmm. 8A certified. So yep. it's great or for, were. Yeah. yeah, or were, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's great for our founders mm-hmm. to, to have that awareness. And so you bring so much uh, depth of knowledge, experience, expertise um, as an attorney to the work that you're doing here in Nashville. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, we hear the this big term of economic development a lot mm-hmm. locally. You know, it's been uh, in the headlines recently. What does that mean? And, mm-hmm. and how is entrepreneurship connected to mm-hmm. the work of economic development mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Sure. local municipalities? So what it means to me is connecting residents to opportunities. And how do we do that? And who are the connectors? So how do we do that? So we need to be really mindful of connecting residents to jobs. Mm-hmm. We need to be really mindful of connecting residents to the opportunities and ways that they can start a business. We know that after the pandemic, a lot of people said, forget this. I am not going into that nine to five anymore. Either I don't want to be exposed to COVID sure. or I don't like the way they treated me or two. I just didn't like it. And now maybe I have some options and choices. So a lot of people have started businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. But the question is, do they have the support systems and mechanisms? So um, whether it's connecting residents to jobs or connecting residents to how to start a small business, in the middle of that connection should be a a government agency or a nonprofit or other partner that's going to help bridge that connection and also to help them build that capacity and capability, whatever it may be. So, for instance, here in Nashville, it's Metro Action Commission, which is typically where people may have heard of and go for rental assistance. Well, guess what? They have an entrepreneurship program. Mm. And I just went to it recently at um, one of their classes talking to them about banking and honestly talking to them about the fact that where your business is right now, you won't be able to get a loan right now, just the the straight reality of it. But here's some resources that are available to you here in Davidson County to get you that point to get you where you can be bankable. But doesn't mean you shouldn't stop, you know, uh, moving on and starting your business and doesn't mean you should stop where you are, your progression. There are resources available. So for me, economic development is how do we connect our residents to opportunities? And are those networks, be it nonprofit, be it government, working together collaboratively to make those connections? Mm -hmm. So you talked about supplier diversity. To me, that's purely in that same model of connecting residents to opportunities. So how do we connect our small businesses to supplier diversity? How do we make sure our small businesses know who the nonprofits are in the city that are doing development to help them start, grow, and expand? Mm -hmm. So that's what economic development means to me, and that's how it fits to me in the entrepreneurship sphere. What would you say are some of your priorities as you think about, you know, Nashville? We're sitting in the Nashville Entrepreneur mm-hmm. Center. Most of our audience, although we have a national audience, but the, the vast majority are here in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. What are some of your priorities as it relates to connecting entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to those opportunities locally? One of the first priorities is holding a summit, holding a summit with our nonprofit providers who are in the small business arena. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens from SBA, I know who they all are. 
Um, and everybody knows who the EC is, right? right. And all the nonprofit providers in the city know who the EC is. And I thank the EC because we used to have meetings and sessions here long before I came to this role here in Nashville. But I think it's time that we have a summit amongst our nonprofit providers so we can work closer together to actually reach the community. I don't think a lot of people even realize that the National Public Library is now in the small business business. They actually have swag bags. They say NPL for business. Before I left SBA, we helped them set up a whole series of courses for the entire year so residents can go to the library and get connected to the wow. small business ecosystem. But I think one of the reasons why I took this job is so that our small business ecosystem providers can work more collaboratively together. So folks know where when they come to the EC to find out where do I go, I'm starting or I'm trying to expand or I need a loan or I want to get in contracting, where do I go next? You know, there's a, a network already ready to receive them and incubate them and get them ready. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's such a need. And being out in the community, I mean, I um, had the great blessing of having the EC as almost like a bridge for me mm-hmm. from my corporate role and, and career into mm-hmm. entrepreneurship full time. But I definitely have many conversations where people are like, oh, mm-hmm. really? And I'm like, yeah, come over. I'm happy that, you know, take you around there. Mm-hmm. There are so many Nashvillians. Right. And, and and I guess one would think that with how many people are moving to Nashville, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. that there is an opportunity to ensure that people know mm-hmm. where the resources are and how exactly. to get connected. So And where the free ones are, too. Yeah. You yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of federal. I mean, I, I bring that federal government experience, SBA sends a lot of money to the state of Tennessee, mm-hmm. to a lot of our providers to provide those free access to resources or low cost, sure. especially if you're trying to start. I want to mention as well, you asked about my priorities. I think the second biggest priority for me is making sure our young people are exposed to entrepreneurship as an opportunity in the right way mm-hmm. to entrepreneurship. You know, when you ask me what's economic development and I said connecting residents to opportunities, we cannot forget our young people. Yeah. Exposure to me creates opportunity and choices. And if you don't have the exposure, how would you even know? So then after that exposure, what are the tools that you need to actually get to where you want to go? I mentioned when I got out of college, I had some exposure, sure. but the things that I really wanted to do, I didn't have the true exposure to. And then where are the tools? How do I do it? So that's one of the reasons why one of my staff um, in the office, her name is Lakeisha Harris. Everybody in Nashville mm-hmm. knows her. She's currently working with our youth ambassadors to create a conference and an ongoing conference to expose young people 18 to 25 to entrepreneurship. That is so important to me because young people more than anybody have to be exposed to opportunities. Um, And young people more than anybody are now saying, I don't want want a traditional job. (laughs) I want my own business. I'm like, okay, well, we need to tell you what taxes are. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, that, that's so yeah. true. We see that in the data from a generational diversity perspective, that mm-hmm. Gen Z specifically, mm-hmm. they are very entrepreneurial mm-hmm. in their aspirations as far as their career. Mm-hmm. Like it is, you know, in the top of the list mm-hmm. for them to have their own business. And many of them are getting started, mm-hmm. you know, with access mm-hmm. to technology. So mm-hmm. that's fantastic to hear that you all are diving in there. And then talk to us a little bit about uh, what's happening, like the the history that's being made at Fisk. Because oh, yeah, speaking Speaking of students, yeah. (laughs) So, of course, you know, the um, Daryl Freeman Innovation Mm -hmm. Incubation Mm -hmm. Center will be Mm -hmm. a place for students, but also local Nashvillians Mm -hmm. connecting them with opportunities, Mm -hmm. too. So talk to us a little bit about um, that project. Sure. I came to the mayor's office in October, and shortly after that, the mayor said, hey, I need your help. 
we got to get FIS the funding that they need so we can open up an entrepreneurship and innovation center on the campus of FIS, our historic HBCU here. And I said, I know I've, I've been watching that from afar. Well, not too far. When I was at SBA, I know Daryl Freeman was involved. He's like, yes, I need you to pick this up and roll with it. So got on the phone with you, got on the phone with other partners and said, hey, we need to pick up this mantle um, to, to extend and further Daryl Freeman's legacy here on the campus of FIS. So we were able to get the funding. Got the funding passed through city council for the construction of the building because it's a historic building designed by McKissick and McKissick, one of the first black architectural firms in this country. So the funding has been obtained Mm -hmm. for the construction. And um, now I'm going to be helping to advise the board that's being created on the programming and operations. So FIS is going to be a hub, not just in North Nashville, but to meet the needs of black and brown entrepreneurs in the entire county to start, grow, expand, and to innovate. So it's so exciting, it's really incredible. excited. So I'm, I'm honored to, to help them bring some federal resources to bring our nonprofit partners again to the table with FIST to help make sure that network is tight to meet our entrepreneurs, particularly our black and brown entrepreneurs that are here. Yeah, it was it's definitely really inspiring to yes. see um, how many business leaders yes. came together yes. to make that happen from all different walks of life and many of which who, like you mentioned, you know, Daryl Freeman starting Mm -hmm. the work, creating Mm -hmm. the initial plan Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. um, this project and then it being carried on Mm -hmm. by his friends, his mentees, Mm -hmm. his, you know, um, people that he's he's Mm -hmm. poured into that have been Mm -hmm. mentored from afar Mm -hmm. and um, nonprofit organizations, government organizations. I mean, it it was just really inspiring to see, um, including the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. So really, really, I mean, we're thrilled to be a part of that. To ensure that you know we're connected and partnering mm-hmm. with our resources mm-hmm. to make that mm-hmm. a success when the doors open, I can't wait. Yes, and Dow Freeman's business, Zycron, was in the eight A program. Yeah, eight A graduate. Yeah, helped get his start in IT contracting in the federal government. And I meant to mention this to you earlier when you were talking about Twin Day. Uh, again, you would never see this company on social media. Worldwide Technology is the largest black-owned company in the world. The world. Got its start, 8A program in St. Louis, Missouri. The owner had $5 to his name. Mm-hmm. Worldwide technology. Um, so there's so much opportunity out there. We just got to tap into it. And- so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally have his picture pulled up on my laptop right now. <laughs> uh, when I mentioned there Black Enterprise, um, yes. he is a billion yes. with a B yes. dollar businessman yes. of worldwide technologies. Yes. And you're exactly right. Like when it, the picture popped up, I'm like, I've never seen yes. his face. And he will tell anywhere. anyone, he will give all credit to the current SBA director in St. Louis, who is not just one of my mentors at SBA, one of my very, very dear friends. And he will tell anyone it's because of her, because of this business. Because at the time, she was his business counselor in the 8A program when he came into it. Wow. Yep. yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's incredible. David Stewart. David Stewart. David yep. Stewart. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. That is phenomenal. So I know we have founders that are in our Twin Day Accelerator Mm -hmm. program that are listening and those that might be interested in joining. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about, talk a little bit about our supplier diversity pilot and maybe Mm -hmm. just have you um, share a little bit about, in addition to the 8A program, Mm -hmm. like what are some ways that entrepreneurs can become more aware of supplier diversity to help them grow their business? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think attending some of the conferences 
resources. I know since the pandemic, we do a lot of virtual stuff and Mm -hmm. we're now just getting back out and doing in-person conferences. But the reality is, at least in the federal government space, you know, federal government's a little bit slow. Federal government's now getting back to more in-person conferences. A lot of them had gone virtual, but they're back to some of the in-person ones. For Mm -hmm. instance, there's one that's going to be in the campus of Avon Williams campus at TSU. This is an annual conference that happens every single year prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Literally, Mm -hmm. the last in-person one was the morning after the Nashville tornado. Wow. So this will be the first in-person one since then. And this is a conference. It's billed as the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which people don't know what the heck that is or what they do. But it's billed as one of their annual conferences that they do in partnership with the Small Business Development Center at TSU and with SBA and some other partners. But what actually happens that day is every single federal government agency in the state of Tennessee will be there. They will be there with a booth. They will be there with their small business consultants who work for that particular agency. Mm -hmm. The small business staff at every single federal government agency is your gateway into federal contracting. And if you don't show up where they are, it's sometimes difficult for them to know who you are. So showing up at their in-person conferences, and there's still some of them are still doing virtual, like the Department of Health and Human Services are still doing quite a few virtual ones around the country. So on the federal side, on the corporate supplier side, knowing who those connectors are to corporate supplier diversity. We have WeBank, which just yesterday opened up their Women's Business Center here in Nashville. Yay, I'm so yes. excited. Um, they also have a Women's Business Center also in Memphis. WeBank is for women business owners that connected to corporate supplier diversity. We have MSDC, the Minority Supplier Development Council, which is your connector to corporate supplier diversity for minority entrepreneurs. Finding access to those vehicles, figuring out what they do and how they do it, and showing up is one of the, the best ways to get access to supplier diversity. And I'm so happy that Twin Day is now pivoted to that. And I know you and I have talked about some of the resources and connectors there. So yes. So if you are listening in Mm -hmm. and you are a supplier diversity leader, you are a leader in your corporate organization that may be doing DEI work that's connected to procurement, definitely reach out to me. Would love to connect with Mm -hmm. you. Would love for you to learn more about our Twin Day Accelerator program. You can go to twindayaccelerator.co. But we are really intentional about doing the capacity Mm -hmm. building with these black and brown founders across the state of Tennessee. The entire curriculum is in partnership with Liz J. Simpson and the stimulus team. They're out of Dallas, Texas. They Mm -hmm. run an accelerator program with thousands of women helping them land corporate Mm -hmm. deals. And so we're excited to leverage their curriculum to then partner with these corporate organizations, these government organizations to build out a pilot where our founders can actually have real tangible opportunities that are also helping these organizations reach their supplier diversity goals because that's the other tie to the bow it's like it's not only what's in it for the founders that's obvious but then on the corporate side these corporate organizations have made very public goals relative to supplier diversity and so many of the supplier diversity teams are lean Mm -hmm. as you know Mm -hmm. and those professionals like they are very motivated, I'll mm-hmm. say it that way, mm-hmm. to ensure that they're meeting those goals. So they are looking for the founders that we are equipping mm-hmm. and we want to make those matches. Mm-hmm. I wanted to mention, too, because I don't feel like I probably answered your question the last time. And it also ties back to one of my priorities. One of the things I also want to do is find a mechanism. And I'm not sure if it's through apprenticeships, but to find an easy mechanism for founders to have someone on staff 
on board that can help them with all their supply diversity efforts, Mm -hmm. whether it's doing that certification application, which takes a lot of time and energy to gather all that paperwork, or whether it's sourcing. How do I figure out which corporate suppliers or which federal government suppliers actually buy what I sell? Yes. That's a job. It is a full Time it is job. a full-time job. <laughs> and as your business job. grows, it's a staff. Yeah. So small businesses, I don't care if it's black or brown, they don't have the time and energy yeah. to yeah. get that certification paperwork done today or start sourcing and figuring out who's buying what I'm selling. But one of the things that we tried to do at SBA, and again, the SBA staff in Tennessee is lean as well, was sure. to make connections with local universities and colleges to get interns from colleges to then partner and work with small businesses. Mm-hmm. So small businesses don't have to pay the salary, but they can right. try somebody out as an intern who could be paid by their college or university and train up that intern to be your supplier diversity staffer. Yeah, They could do the certification paperwork and you can start sending them to these conferences virtually or in person to start figuring out and navigating that and then bring to you where the opportunity is. Yeah. So one of the things I do want to do for Davidson County is probably maybe come up with some type of apprenticeship program where we connect those college students to our founders and help them build up a staff person to be their supplier diversity staff person to eventually become a supplier diversity team within their own company. Because it's a lot of time and energy that founders just don't have time for. That's just a fact. That that is so true. And I'll tell you, I know that we've talked about this. That's one of my visions for for here mm-hmm. at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm certainly, you know, thrilled to get to do this work. Mm-hmm. I do it fractionally as mm-hmm. a chief equity and inclusion officer, but it is one of the largest mm. opportunities for an organization like this mm-hmm. to invest in truly having a depth of understanding mm-hmm. about what those opportunities are mm-hmm. and then having the capacity to actually yes. make those connections yes. for founders. Yes. Like that is the work yes. of diversity, equity, yes. and inclusion. Yes. And so that's yes. really what this pilot is about mm-hmm. that I'm really focused on for mm-hmm. 2023. It's like, how do we do that on a small scale? Mm-hmm. You know, if in the entrepreneurial space, we'd call it an MVP. That's what it's going to be. Right, <laughs> It'll be right. an MVP. Right, right, right. right. We're going to build it out. We're going to test it, like, you yeah. know, just so that we can really cast a strong vision that, like, one, like you said, this isn't new work. Mm-hmm. It's been mm-hmm. going on for decades. Mm-hmm. And um, perhaps there are more innovative ways mm-hmm. to do it in a sustainable way mm-hmm. where we have more of those names yeah. that we may not know, businesses yes. we may not know, yes. but that graduate to up yes. to an 8 program and are growing yes. um, and having multi-million dollar and billion dollar companies. And exactly. So, um, mm-hmm. That makes me so excited. Well, mm-hmm. this has been phenomenal. <laughs> I always love getting to chat Yay. with you. This time we're just letting a few, you know, thousand people in on the conversation. <laughs> So nothing wrong with that. Um, any last advice that you would share for our black and brown business owners that are listening in today? Oh, any last advice? Um, do your darndest to find the places and spaces that gives you the tools. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be really intentional in this job, which is people are asking me, what are you doing? What's launched yet? And I'm like, I'm baking it because I want people to get the tools and the access. I don't want to just talk about what the opportunities are. Sure. I want to show people the pathway and have the tools to take advantage of those opportunities. You know, and I know it's particularly uh, startups will go here, there and everywhere constantly trying to, mm-hmm. you know, this may be an opportunity. That may be an opportunity. That may be an opportunity. Do your homework first to figure out, are you going to walk away and leave the door at that event or that meeting or whatever it may be with actual tools 
that you can put in your toolbox that you can use down the road because mm-hmm. um, you'll drive yourself crazy and yeah. run yourself ragged. So. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. I, I heard purpose in that answer. <laughs> like, what is my purpose for being here? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I looking to get out of yeah, this Yeah, what's my why? Yeah. Like being just yeah. really intentional mm-hmm. with where you show up. So mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm taking that and putting that in my back pocket too. <laughs> I need it too. I need to remind myself of that. <laughs> yeah, so how can, we, how can we stay connected with you? Sure. It's so weird. I, again, I've been in government forever and I'll probably retire in government. So we have to keep stuff separate. So if you follow me on social media, you're not going to see a whole lot related to the work that I do. But I will give you my social media handles anyway because I have some other passions outside of work that you may see there. Initially, just for work, my email address at work is my first name, dot my last name at nashville.gov. So that's L-A-T-A-N-Y-A dot channel, C-H-A-N-N-E-L, like the TV, at nashville.gov. My work mobile phone which texting is best if you email me it may take me several days to get through all those emails but if you text me I can get back to you faster and I never remember the number but it's 615 I'm looking at my piece of paper to remember (laughs) 615-426-5173 is my um, work mobile number and then on social media it's just my first name last name on Facebook Latanya channel and on Instagram which I'm still trying to figure out how to post is mama m-a-m-m-a said so long story so why it's mama said so <laughs> i but love anyway. it i love well we will put all of that in the show notes we'll make sure that people have the links to connect with you and all of you and of course i'm on linkedin my yes, first name last name LinkedIn as well <laughs> fantastic well thank you latanya for joining us today on sure. the twin day podcast powered by bank of america thank you thanks for listening to the twin day podcast Follow now at TwinDayPodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Twin Day Accelerator program, please visit TwinDayAccelerator.co. I'm Brittany Cole. Until next time, keep thriving.